We are learning Daf Ayin Dalet. So yesterday, uh, we spoke about a really fundamental machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. The case was, someone makes a Kedushin, Altanai, with stipulation uh, that he puts in when he gives her the ring, only Amanas, let's say that she doesn't have a nether. So clearly, if she deceived him and has found that she has a nether, let's say right away, right after he gives her the ring, she's not going to be Mekudashas at all. But what if he was Mekad, he was Koneser, he went to be intimate with her, he didn't sue in, Stam, without speaking out the Tanai again. So then, if it's only dis- we only discover that she deceives him after the Nesuin, and at the time of the Nesuin, he did not... He did not make the Tanai again. So Rav says she needs to get. Shmuel says she doesn't need to get. So our first explanation of the Machlokas was Abayes. Abayes said that the Machlokas is that according to Rav, a person is aware of the possibility that maybe she's deceiving him and the condition is not valid. But he doesn't want his Bia to be a Bia's Nos. That's the main priority. The Bia shouldn't be a Bia's Nos. Therefore, when he's Makadishar, when, when he's having Bia with her, when he goes to be Koneser, if he doesn't say the, the, anything, we assume he means p- perhaps to make a new condition just in case the first one wasn't binding. That's Rav, Shad, and Rav. No, a person doesn't necessarily have that in mind. Rav says everybody, no one was, even Rav would agree she doesn't need to get in, in, in such a case because there's no way a person is actually having in mind to make a new Kedushin when they do the Bia just because they, they made a stipulation in the Kedushin and they're nervous that maybe it wasn't fulfilled. No way. Rav said the case was that he div- a person made a stipulation in a woman, Amanash doesn't have an Adarm, he divorced her and then he took her back and that didn't make a stipulation. And then it's found that she deceived him. We're trying to figure out, is it, is it as if he had made a stipulation in the second condition as well? That's where there was a dispute between Rav and Shmuel. So now the Gemara gives another Amora who agrees with Rav, Ayin Dalit, Itmar Nami, we are six, six lines down. Itmar Nami, Amar Vachabar Yaakov, Amar Yochan, Amar Kadosh, Altanai, Baal, so I'm going to betroth the woman with stipulation. And he had beer with her, and then it fought, we find out that the stipulation wasn't fulfilled. Divri Hakol, Everybody would agree that she doesn't need to get. And when we say everybody agrees, we mean to say even Rav. Even Rav said that we thought in Machlokas that Rav said she, that, that she does need to get. Rav must have been only talking about a case where there was a divorce and then he took her back. But if it was just a good old plain case, everyone, including Rav, would say that uh, she doesn't need to get, which is like Rav said. Says the Gemara, is this true that in, so now it's good because we're getting another name in this? This is Rabbi Yochan. So the Gemara says, Is this really true uh, that Rabbi Yochan would say this? But we have a Brisa. It says if Chalitza is done with a mistake, it's still kosher. Chalitza is, again, they don't want to do Yibam, a brother, brother in law, sister in law, so instead they do Chalitza. So we're saying that Chalitza can be done with a mistake. What's a mistake in Chalitza? We tell the brother-in-law, you'll become married to her. In other words, we totally deceive him. We tell him that Chalitza makes you married to her, when in fact, it's actually the, the contrary. It's the opposite. Chalitza frees her. So if the, if the, if the, if the Yavim did it thinking that when I do the Chalitza, I'm going to become married to her, that mistake, it's still, it's still valid. Chalitza is good and she's free. So the Gemara says, that can't be the Pshat. Amar Biyochan, Rabbi Yochan said, Ani Shona, I have another bride, so where I teach, whether he had intent to be Matar, and she didn't have intent to become freed, or she had intent to be released, but he didn't have the intent to release her. The Chalitza is invalid, she's not Mutter. In order for Chalitza to be good, both, have, both parties, both the Yavam and the Yavama, have to have Das. They have to know what they're doing. They have to realize that Chalitza is going to free her. So it says, the favorish in the bride. You need to have kavana for chalitza for her to go free. You're going to tell me chalitza like the chalitza is good even when the brother thought he was marrying her. Clearly, if he has such a mistake, the chalitza is invalid. So that cannot be the meaning 
of the bride. What's the pshat that a mistake in chalitza is good? It doesn't mean a mistake that, you know, one of the parties thinks they're getting married. But rather, he was told, do chalitza on condition that she's going to pay you 200 zuz. So he made the, the chalitza with a das to free her, but with a, continue, with a stipulation and in the mind that it's only going to be if she's going to give him 200 zuz. So Lamaisa, he did a good chalitza and it's valid and she's free. And even if he never receives the money from her, she still is able to go free. Now what's pshat? Lamaisa, said there was a stipulation which wasn't fulfilled. So why is she going free? Again, the explanation is Avadi you need to have das to free her. But if you had das to free her only of a stipulation that she gives a certain amount of money and she never gives it, she still is free. So what's the pshat? How could it be? Alma, what do we see? Kivan Dovin Maisa, since he went ahead and he performed the chalitza and he didn't speak out the condition at the time, in other words, we're going to understand that the tanai was made previously, but when he went to actually do it, it wasn't said again. Achule achule tanai must be that we assume that the condition was bin mochel. He waived the condition about the money. If he didn't say it again, at the, in the moment, we must assume he was mochel tanai. So achanami, must be we should apply the same concept to a person who's makadosh as a isha with a stipulation, but when he goes to be konitzer, he doesn't reiterate the tanai. We should say the same thing. Kimen tabal, he was bola without repeating it. Achule achule tanai. He must have waived the stipulation, which is against what we said. We're saying everybody agrees in that case that a get is not necessary. So Amalei, Rachel said, no, Barbara, Rav, you're Tam Chacham Shabbat, Amr, are you saying good? In other words, we're going to explain a completely different reason why we don't care that the stipulation wasn't fulfilled. Until now, we've been so bothered. He, tri- he was tricked. There was a stipulation only on Manasseh. She's going to give him 200 zuz. Must be he was mochel the Tanai. No, there's a different shot. Michti, let's analyze. Kol Tanai, Mehecha Gamrina. Where do we learn Tanam from? How do we know that a person can make a Misa and stipulate something? And if the stipulation is not fulfilled, then the Misa is not, is not fulfilled as well. How do we know that? We learned that from Moshe Rabbeinu the Tanai that he made He gave them only on condition that they go fight. So that now serves as the prototype for all sorts of stipulations. They have to be like the model of Bnei God of Bnei Reuven. In order for a Tanai to break an Asiya, for, for, for a lack of a stipulation, to break what was done, it has to be like the Tanai made by Bnei God of Bnei Reuven. There was something which could be done through a Shliach. For example, Moshe Rabbeinu, he wasn't personally giving them the Eber and He was telling Yehoshua to give him the Eber so it was a type of action which can be done through a shliach. There I say, if you make a tanai in such an action, a tanai in an action that can be done through a shliach, have a tanai, tanai, the stipulation is binding, and if it's not fulfilled, it will break the asiyah, and the land will not become theirs. But the low ashra can be a shliach, awesome. if it wasn't a type of thing which can be done through an agent, like Moshe was doing there, low ashra, we don't have any source in the Torah that a stipulation can be binding. So chalitza, this is the key. The Gemara assumes chalitza cannot be done through a shliach. The Yavim and the Yavama, they themselves personally have to do it. And the basic idea, presumably why it's there, is because, but why this is true is because the Pasuk says the widow takes off the shoe of the Yavim's foot. So the Yavim's foot is the Yavim's foot. You can't have an agent be your foot. Your foot is, your, is yours. So therefore, it's not something that you can delegate to somebody else. There's no agency. There's no shlichos for chalitza. Memela, we have no source for anywhere in the Torah that a Tanai can break the power of a Chalisa. So therefore, even if she doesn't give him the 200 Zuz, and it was made with the stipulation that it's only binding if it gives her 200 Zuz, we still say the Chalisa is valid nonetheless. That's the Pshat over here. Fractic Gemaras, what are we coming out? We're coming out that any, any, sort, of, um, any sort of stipulation that, 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 that cannot, on a, on a Maisa, that can't be done through a Shliach, it's not going to be a tonight. 
So the Gemara says, Abiyah, when you think about Kedushin, that's done, done through uh, through Abiyah, Bia is not something you can do through a Shliach. Either you're doing it or you're not doing it. But Bia cannot be accomplished through a Shliach. We still see a stipulation to it. It's a valid stipulation. That's what we're saying. The Gemara is saying if a man had Bia in order to affect Kedushin, and he's stipulating, he's only doing it a consent that the father agreed. What did we learn yesterday? If the father doesn't agree, it's not valid. But wait a second, how can I make a stipulation and break the power of the condition if it's a bia? But 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 kedu- the bia is something that cannot be done through a shliach. So the Gemara answer is no. There, kedushin in general, there are three forms of kedushin: kesef shtar bia, kesef and shtar can be done through an agent. And there, it would work to make it tonight. So we learned that all the forms of Kedushin are the same because they're all compared to one another. And they're all called Halaya. And therefore, we say just as one person is Mekadish, there's a power to make it tonight. So too, when a person is Mekadish, there's a power to make it tonight. So basically, we're saying Kedushin is different because we know that it has the power in one method to have it tonight. So in all methods, it has the power as well. Whereas Chalitza can never be done through a agent, and therefore we'd never see a power of it tonight to break it, and that's why if the husband, the husband was tricked, uh, if the husband was tricked, we still, in the sense that they prom- he was stipula- there was a stipulation he was going to receive 200 tzus, but she never ended up receiving, the chalitza is still valid. Okay. Now, Tosis just speaks out a very important Tosis here, that what, is there any sort of svara that we learn, only something that you could do through an agent is something that you can make a tanai. Is there any connection between the ability of making an agent and a tanai? So Tysus explains that a tanai, if you think about it, a person is injecting his own desires, his own intent into the das of what an asiyah is. Who says a person can do that? So the idea is that if it's a type of action which is under your control, and it's so much under your control, you can appoint somebody else to do it in your place, that shows ownership of it. It's like I have the control over it. I can tell somebody else to do it in my stead. So then you can also make it tonight. But if it's something which you don't have that control, you're a part of it, you're involved in that seal, but it's not yours, you can't tell somebody else to, you can't point at somebody else to do it, so then we don't say that you can make it tonight. Here the Gemara continues now with a new point. Let's say someone is Makadish, a woman with a loan. So if a person is Makadish with a loan, that's not valid. You have to give a woman new money. If you lent her money in the past, you can't say, oh, by the way, the money that I already lent you, that's her Kesef Kedushin. So the Kedushin was never valid if he's Makadish with the loan he already lent her. Ball, but Lamaisa, then he had a Bia with her. He said, become betrothed. So, 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 so in this case, he's doing first the Kedushin, but now he's having a Bia afterwards. Al tonight, or he's Makadish with a stipulation and then had Bia with her, and then we see the stipulation wasn't fulfilled. Or the Pakhlusha Bruta Bali, he's Makadish with less than a Bruta and then had Bia with her. Divriakal, everybody agrees, she needs a get. So this is a third analysis of the Makhlukas Rav and Shmuel. According to this last opinion of Rabbi Lazar, everybody agrees that since he didn't reiterate the stipulation at the time of the Nisuin, he certainly was Mochel the Tanai. That has to be the case. He certainly was Mochel it, and he certainly, therefore, we assume that he's having um, a, a totally new das here. So this is against, against everyone that we've said before. The previous two approaches, according to Abai, that was Gufa the Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. According to Rav, everybody agrees he's not, he's not making a new Kedushin, and the, Rav was only talking about a case where he divorced her and took her back, and Rabbi Lazar is saying more extreme, even Shmuel would agree. Everybody agrees that she needs a get if he didn't speak out the stipulation at the time that he was be, had Bia with her. So the question is hard to understand a little bit is that according, according to this view of Rabbi Lazar, where is the Machlokas Rav and Shmuel? In other words, what is the case where Shmuel says she doesn't need a get? Tosa speaks out, maybe the case is where at the time of the Chuppah he didn't make a Tanai, he didn't make a Tanai, but, uh, and then it, w- it was discovered that she had the that she had the vows before he was intimate with her. Meaning the point is if he was mamish intimate with her, he had be a, even Shmuel would agree she needs a get because in the moment of intimacy, surely he's going to be mochel tonight and therefore it's a binding new Kedushin. Um, in case of Shmuel, must have been where 
it was discovered after the chuppah before the bia. The Gemara now says another another view. Someone and then she needs to get. So the implication is that it's only over here she needs to get because maybe the person was mikdash did the did the bia with the das with the new das kedushin. But if let's say he betrothed with the loan or stipulation, she wouldn't need to get. So that, that's where there's machlokas. And now the Gemara explains why there's a difference according to this opinion between being mikdash less than shavu pruta. Um, or someone who's makadish with the loan and the stipulation. With the with the pruta, people don't make a mistake. In other words, everyone, 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 we can assume that he knew in the back of his mind that he had to make another condition and that his original condition wasn't valid because that less than a pruta. It must be he had feel the shame condition. But with the other cases, with the loan or the unfilled stipulation, people make mistakes. People might not necessarily be aware that they have to make another new condition for it to be binding. So we don't necessarily assume that they did so, and therefore there's no condition. How do we rule? I'm a Kaddish of Tanai the big million dollar question. Once happened, there was a story like this. It was a Kaddish woman's stipulation had Bia, and then we realized that she deceived him, and the Chachamim did not have the power to release her without a get. Says the Gemara, this psak that she needs a get is to the exclusion of the following Tana. We say over in the name of the Tana Rabbi Shmuel, the Pasuk when it's talking about an adulterous woman who becomes Asra on, on, on her husband, it says, and she was not forced. In other words, we, we are concerned that she had Bia and she was not raped. Asura, she becomes Asra to remain with her husband. So we see the implication of the Pasuk. If a woman is raped, and a married woman who was raped, she is permitted to her husband. And that's normally, as long as it's not an Aisha's coin, that is Dalach. Now, we have a Diuk. We have a Diuk that this woman, it depends whether or not she was raped. But there's another woman, even if she was not raped, she's still permitted to be with her husband, Buteris. So how could that be? If she's a married woman and she wasn't raped and she had be while she was married, how could it be that she's going to be mother to, 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 to her husband? What is the case? It's a case where even though it seemed that she was married, the reality was it was not really a marriage. It was under false pretenses. So in other words, the chassan had made a condition to a condition. The condition never was fulfilled. That means that the condition was nothing. So even if she had adultery, it's not adultery because she wasn't married. So therefore, she can actually go back to her previous husband, quote unquote, who actually the reality was was never her husband because it wasn't adultery. And what is the case? I feel Even if she has a child from him, um, she had a bia with the original chassan and she had a child. Still, what's the she simply can walk away whenever she wants. She never needs a get. So no, this clearly is showing us that if there was condition out tonight, even if they had bia, uh, if, the, if the stipulation went unfulfilled, then she is not Mekudesh. So this Tana clearly holds she doesn't need to get. She can just walk away. And that's why if she had uh, uh, a Bia with somebody else during that time, she doesn't become Asra and her husband. Whereas we were Paskining before, then no, if it was Kitchal tonight, but then he actually went and he was Kone Zerstam, so then the Din would be that she does need a get. Okay. So now the Gemara moves on to a little, to a little bit of a new, a new point over here. Um, and we're going to discuss the case, but there could be a case you know, where, where, where uh, Kitchal, Kitchal Tanai, if the Tanai goes and is unfulfilled, that the Kedushin is broken. Let's say, you know, if, if, if it was discovered before the Nisuin, just to keep it simple, where everybody would agree. So the Gemara says, well, what happens? So the, it seemed like she had deceived him. It seemed that the, he, he made the stipulation, but now she doesn't have Nidar. We discovered she has Nidar. So now what happens? If it's still before the Nisuin, so you would say, but she quickly tries to fix it. She runs to a Chacham, and he's Mata her nether in order to fulfill the condition. So really, she did have a nether. But then she goes to a chacham who's mazah the nether. So she, now, what happens? What's the Lama Kadesha? She actually is betrothed, which is a fascinating idea because the chacham removes the nether. So the whole problem was that she deceives him. No problem, quick fix. 
get the nether removed, and therefore she's mekudeshes. However, if the issue was a defect, and that he made a, con, uh, a condition, Altana, she doesn't have a defect, and she did, but then Eitzel Rofi reposed, so she ran to the doctor, he cured her of the defect, and mekudeshes, she's still not betrothed. So what's the difference? Ma'aben chacham l'rofi. What's the difference about the case of the vow, where even though she deceived him, but if she fixes it, then she is married, and the case of the doctor, and the case of the defect, where we say that, um, that she's not married. So the Gemara explains there's a fundamental difference. How does Hataras and Dharam work? It means retroactively there was, no, there was no nether. The idea is that the rabbi is find, finding some sort of faulty das in the nether, some sort of regret that the person never would have made the nether, and therefore from the very inception we see in a retroactive way that there was no nether. As Rofin, when the doctor cures her from her defect, it only means that she's cured from now and on, but still previously she had the defect. So now we understand. He was Mikadash Ral Tanai, she doesn't have the vow, or she doesn't have the defect, and then it turns out that she did. When she goes and she fixes it by being Chacham, by going to the Chacham, by the Chacham, it turns out retroactively, even at the time of the condition, there was no vow. But by the defect, we only see that from now and on that there is no defect. But it's still at the time of the condition, there still was the, de- there still was the defect. And therefore, she is not married. Says the Marvatani, I says in a price was the contrary. If she goes either to the Chacham who releases her from the vow, or she goes to a doctor and he cures her the defect. In both cases, she is not betrothed. This price was saying that even when the Chacham is mad to her, she is still not betrothed. So we have a contradiction about whether or not she can fix it and save her marriage by going to the Chacham. The first price, uh, we say, does work. And how do we explain it again? We've been explaining that the reason why it works is. Because the Chacham is Matar Mikro. Since the Chacham is Matar Mikro, we say retroactively there was no net there at the time of the Kedushin. The second price is stating to the contrary. So the Gemara answers, Amar Rabbi Lokash, Haramayr, Rabbi Lazar. It's Machlokas, Ramayr, and Rabbi Lazar. What's the Machlokas about? Haramayr, we're going like Ramayr, the first prize is all. Adam wrote such a issue, but a person is willing to allow his wife to get humiliated by appearing in the court. Meaning a person is not, would not object his wife going to the court and being, being made aware of his wife's vows and be matur. He has no problem with that. So as long as she's able to get to the court, she's not doing anything that's against her husband's, her, her husband's wishes. So therefore, if she's matur, then not there in front of the Chacham, that's all but fine. Fine and dandy with her husband, and therefore it saves it since it's matri meikar. Ha rabbalazo, the second rabbi is going like rabbalazo. Da amar ain adam rotze shetizvaz ishba basin. A person is not willing to allow his wife to be disgraced by appearing in front of the court. It's embarrassing and reflects badly on him. So therefore, we assume that he would void the marriage if she had a vow, even if the vow could be annulled. Meaning, even though it could be annulled and the Chacham could be annulled retroactively, but basically the point that we're saying is he's not willing, he had this das in mind when he made the stipulation, he's not willing for her to go through that process because he does, it's embarrassing, reflects weirdly on him that she's going to the court and uh, airing the dirty laundry of her, of, her, of her nether. So therefore he doesn't want that whole process and therefore it does occur, it's still against his original Tanai. Where do we see this Machlokas Tanom about whether or not a person is okay with his wife going to the court or not to annul her nether? Where do we see this? Not it says in the Mishnah, Mishnah Gittim. A person divorces his wife because she has a vow. Meaning, she made a vow, the husband's frustrated, he can't live with all these vows, so he divorces her. Lo There's a new halacha, he can never take her back. Fascinating halacha. We'll see why in a second. Let's say he divorced her because of a bad reputation, meaning there's rumors that she committed adultery, and that's why he divorced her. Again, he can never take her back. Even if he realizes it was never right, or in the case of the vow, it was nullified by a chacham, the, 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 the husband cannot take her back. There is, this is a new takonim and that once you divorce from Shem Shem Ra, because of another, you cannot take her back. What's pshat in this? So in the Gemara game, there's two different pshat. One pshat is that we're concerned, let's say the woman would get married to another man, 
And now the first husband realizes, you know, I divorced her because of the nether or because of the bad reputation. Eh, he, he regrets it because maybe the nether can be annulled by a vow. The bad reputation can be found to be false. And he can then claim and say, had I known that the nether could be annulled or had I known that uh, the bad reputation would be found to be false, I never would have divorced her. And by saying that, what he's really saying is that I don't think the second kedushin is valid that he made to somebody else. And therefore, all the kids that she has from the second marriage are going to be rumored that they are mom's heir. So we don't want that situation to happen to the woman. So in a regular case of divorce, we're not concerned. You divorce her, you divorce her. But here, you only divorced her because of, the, because of the bad reputation she had that she had or because of the vow. So therefore, we're concerned that maybe something will, will come along when she's married to somebody else and he'll, and he'll start rumors that really he never would have divorced her. So therefore, he, we make a new takana, you can never take her back. Therefore, we'll, we'll shut the husband's mouth. And, oh, and the second shot, why we might not allow it. The Gemara, the Gemara again says a different shot. That's um, it's a new takana to, to hold back the Jewish women from being, you know, getting, developing bad reputations or making vows. If we make the, the ramifications greater that when you're divorced because of that, your husband can never reconcile with you. So then that's going to the, hold a woman back from doing things that will give her a bad reputation or, or from taking vows that shouldn't be taken. So that's why... The second shot, why maybe she, she, she shouldn't be taken back. And we'll see that after the community. It depends what type of vow we're talking about. If you divorce it because of a vow that everybody knew about, it was done in the presence of 10 people, and then you cannot take her back. If you divorce it because of a vow that was not known to the public, it wasn't done in front of 10 people, he could take her back. What's the difference if it was a public vow or not? Shot is, the holds that if it was a vow that, that was made in public, you cannot, it be, it cannot be become hotar, it cannot be annulled. And he holds that the reason why the reason why the Mishnah said not to take her back, it's a penalty against the woman for being you know, so reckless to take a vow. So, so therefore he says that this is only made if she made it in public because it can't be an old. That's a very bad nether. There we penalize her and say, now that you made that and your husband divorced you because of that, you cannot be taken back by your husband. But if it's a slight, it's, a, it's not such a chamer to take a vow, which could be an old, then we don't have a problem. We don't, we don't penalize her. That is the first view of Rabbi Yehuda. Rameir, Omer, Kol, Nether, Shetzar, Chikir, Chacham, a different idea. If it was divorced because of a vow that needs a Chacham to look into it, we can't take her back. If you need a Chacham, to be honest, we can't take her back. If you divorce because of a vow that doesn't even require a Chacham to look into it, meaning it's obvious that it's, there was something faulty about it, Yaxer, he could take her back. Rameir holds what, that the issue is we're trying to protect the wife that from a husband's claim that the, the divorce, divorce was void and saying, oh, had I known, I never would have done it. So it depends what type of nether it is. If it's a type of nether that even the husband himself can annul, there's no basis for such a claim because he could have done it. In other words, remember, a chacham can be matter any nether. But a husband can be matter and nether that's only of inoy nefesh things that are self-denial or things that affect him. So if it was a thing that he could have annulled, that you didn't need a chakiras chacham, he could have done it himself. So then he can't claim anything about the woman in the future and nullify her second marriage because he could have annulled the vow. So then there's no problem. He could divorce her and take her back. Whereas if it was something that he couldn't, he couldn't annul and it required going to the chacham, the chacham that's where the takana is made that he shouldn't divorce her and then take her back. Whether it needs a chacham or not, he cannot take her back. Um, in the case where the vow, where, uh, where, where it requires, it requires a chacham only because of a vow that does not require a chacham. What's he saying? He agrees with the mayor that it was, the whole point is to protect the woman. But he holds... 
that no husband is going to claim that if he knew that the Chacham could annul the vow, he wouldn't have divorced her. Why? Because you would never want her to go to the Chacham. And that's the key. This is the point. It doesn't make sense to say, had I known the Chacham could be matter, I wouldn't have wanted her to go to the Chacham. That doesn't make, that doesn't make I, would have, I would never have divorced her. You know what? That doesn't make sense because he would never want his wife to ever appear in front of the court. And that's the point that we want. Rebbe Lazar must hold that it's embarrassing for everybody, for the wife to go to the court, and the husband would never want her to go annul the vow. So the opposite. We only say in a case where that there's a din, that he can't take it back, as Xera ought to, the case where it doesn't need the chacham. So now the Gemara just goes through all the opinions here for a second. My time with Yudah was saying that if it was a public vow, then he can't take her back. A private vow, he could. And again, the difference is that Rebuda must hold a public vow. That's reckless because it cannot be annulled. Where do we see this? The safe top of the mouth, below Hikim and Israel. Klaiso did not hit them. The Givonim Nishman them to see either because they made a Shvua to them. So, in other words, the idea was that once they made a Shvua, they weren't going to harm them, then they couldn't do it. But wait a second. Why aren't they mouth to the nether? Territ says it must be because it was public. How many is public? We're talking about it says because it was many days. So first we just bring up Raya. So whenever it says many days in a pasuk, Yom Mishnayim, days are two. Rab in many days is three days. It says about them, they were a congregation, so it means 10. Okay, so 10 people. So now we go back to, we just go back to what we were saying and the machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lazar, and we put it all together. We're talking about, again, a man divorces a woman because she has a neder. And according to these views, the issue is, uh, is the Chacham going to try to avoid, is the original husband going to avoid the second marriage and say, had I known that a Chacham could do it, I never would have divorced you. So our mayor was saying, well, if he could have done it himself, then he can't make that claim. And our blessed was saying, no, 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 to the opposite. They only asserted anything in case we go to the Chacham, ought to a case where you didn't go to the Chacham. So Michael Mevely, what are they arguing about? Our mayor saw our other merchants about the basic mayor holds. person is very happy for his wife to go to the court. He's willing for her to get, be embarrassed in the court and have her vow annulled. So the husband could ruin the second marriage by claiming if I known, if had I known that she could go to the Chacham, I wouldn't have divorced her. That's why we have to decree the husband doesn't take her back. Our blessed Omar, no. Ain't other merchants at this vaso. Um, a person would never want his wife to be Mavuza in Basin. And since a person wouldn't want the wife to be Mavuza in Basin, therefore, Fakarit, if it needs to go to the Basin, we're not really concerned in that case that the husband's going to avoid the second marriage because he wouldn't, he wouldn't have never have wanted his wife to go to the, to, to get her vows annulled by going to the court. So he can't say, had I known that it could be, that it could be Hutter by then I wouldn't have divorced you. You can't say that. So now we conclude the resolution of the prices. Again, we had a, we had a steer in prices. What happens? A person who is Makadish woman, I'm an ass, that she has no Nidar, and then it finds out that she does have Nidar in him. So simply, it should be in But then she ran to a Chacham who was Mat to the Nether. Does that work? One price says that she is married, one price says not. So we're saying one price says she is married, he's going like Ramir, that a person is willing to have his wife suffer the disgrace in court. The other price condition is not, but going like Rablazar, a person is not willing to have his wife suffer in the court. Rav Amar Rabba now gives a new shot to resolve the steer in the prices. The second price, the condition is not valid. If when the Chacham's matter, we're dealing with the Isha Chashuva from a prominent family. The Amar there, the husband says, I don't want to become usher on her relatives. What is the point? And, and just for one second, we'll get that. That even if the Chacham is matter from the net, the condition is not valid because he doesn't want to become usher on her relatives. That's the first price. I said the condition is valid if he's matter. It's talking about when the family is not prominent. So what are we talking about? We have to think about, in order to understand this, let's think about the person who's making a stipulation, I don't want a wife who has vows. Why not? First of all, 
It could be you don't want the vow when she, when she enters into the marriage. And if the chacham is moderate, you're right. That would take care of that retroactively. But there might be something else he's thinking. The other thing is, if this is a woman who takes vows, now I'm concerned she might take another vow in the future. And if that's what it is, if I don't like a woman who takes vows, then even if the chacham is moderate, this vow, and it goes away retroactively, it doesn't solve the issue. I still might not want it. So usually we say, you know what? I could always divorce a woman if that happens. It doesn't bother me so much. However, if it's a woman of a prominent family, he doesn't want to think that way. Oh, I'll marry her, and if she makes a future vow, I'll just divorce her. Why? Because even after divorce, you can't marry her sister, you can't marry her mother, you can't marry her daughter, so on and so forth. So he doesn't want to close the, the, the window of opportunity on maybe marrying another relative. So if it's an Isha Chashuva, and, and then he made a stipulation, I don't want her to have vows, it might not just be because of a current vow, it might even be because of a future vow. Because he, doesn't, he thinks to himself, I can't even divorce her because then I'll have to be closed off from marrying any of her relatives. And she's a prominent family, and I want maybe to be able to marry her relatives. Whereas the, so there, we say, even if she goes to a Chacham, it doesn't solve anything. Because the stipulation wasn't only made because of a current nether, it was made because I don't want a woman who takes the vows. Because even if I would have to go then and divorce her, I'm going to be also on her relatives, I don't want that. Whereas if she's not from a prominent family, then it's only the, the stipulation that he doesn't want her to have vows is only because of her current vows. If it's only because of her current vows, if the Chacham was okay, then everything is fine. What are you saying? That second price is talking about a prominent woman. So then what did the Seifa say? It says if he betrothed her on the stipulation that he doesn't have a vow, if the stipulation is about him not having the vow, and he really deceived her and he didn't have the vow, but he goes to the Chacham and the Chacham's mater, uh, or about a defect and he went to the doctor, she is betrothed. So what's the shot? Listening in Mekodesh. Why don't we say the same thing? She's not betrothed because we could be talking about a prominent man. Let's say we're talking about a prominent man. She could say, I don't want to become Asr on her relatives. In other words, here, we should say the same point, the same way he's thinking about the possibility that, 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 that she's going to take a future vow. And I don't want, it's not simple enough to divorce her because and then I'll be also to be closed off on her relatives. Why doesn't she think the same thing? If he takes a vows in, in general, even the Chacham's mother this vow, but he might take another vow in the future and I'm not going to rely on divorce because then I can't, won't be able to marry anyone else from his prominent family. Elamai. We don't say that's far, so what's the difference? Just to talk about, it's very interesting about the defects being a difference. We see there's a distinction. If a wife doesn't have any defects and she gets healed, so we say it doesn't help, but still at the time of the Kedushin, we say the defect was there. But with the man, we don't say that. It's very interesting. We say that the... Uh, that the, the, what the physician does will be okay. Why? Why is that? Because the woman only cares about the blemish being there at the time of the wedding. So if the physician cures him after the betrothal before the wedding, it's still valid. But the man is not thinking that. He wants the, the bride to be unblemished at the time even of the betrothal. So even if she could be cured of the blemish in time for the marriage, it's still not satisfying here. So anyways, what the question the Gemara is saying is that if we've explained that the reason why, reason why a spouse doesn't want their spouse to be taking vows, not only because of the current vows, but it's also because they don't want them to be a vower because then divorce isn't enough if they're from a, a prominent family because it closes them off from marrying the relatives. So why don't we say the same thing when the vows were on him? So the Gemara says, A woman can be satisfied with anybody. A woman's not nervous about who she's going to marry. She doesn't want to close off anything. She's, she's okay. She'll be fine with anyone. She's not thinking about the divorce, so on and so forth. Famous expression, better to live as two bodies than to live alone. So the point that we're saying is that's a saying that a woman would settle for less than a desirable husband. 
So as long as the Chacham was hooter from the nether that he had under that time, so she's not, she's not going to be concerned, oh, but what about a vow that he'll make in the future? She says to herself, I'll live with my husband making a vow in the future. She just want, doesn't want him to have a vow now. So as long as he goes to the Chacham, who's okay her, his current vow retroactively, she is satisfied. We have other Amoram who say the same thing in different words. If the, if the husband is short like an ant, the woman puts her chair amongst the free woman, meaning to say that she feels like, you know, now I'm a hush of a person, that I'm a married woman. Again, the, 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 the feeling of being married is the most important thing. If he combs wool, take her safe above his face, and she calls him the doorstep to sit with him, meaning she considers him very hush. She's not embarrassed to sit with him in front of everybody, even though he just combs the wool. If he's messed up, in his yichos, lobay, tavka the kidra, she doesn't even demand lentils for her pot, meaning to say, even though he has a very weak yichos, she doesn't make any demands from him whatsoever. The Gemara explains why a woman would be, would be willing to settle for such a bad husband. It's an excuse for them to commit adultery and say all children they have come from their real husbands. And the Gemara is saying, fascinating psychology, that the women want the adultery more, and that's why they settle, perhaps, for these uh, weak husbands who are from bad places, where they can make vows and they're from bad yichas, so on and so forth. So it's an excuse for them to be able to commit adultery.